it's Wednesday night, which means that we're here to give you some of our favorite headlines and topics of discussion in the world of Rooster Teeth. It's Rooster Teeth Reviews, and it starts right now. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Hey! On AfterBuzz TV Animation, welcome into the show. I am one of your hosts, the Internet's Mark Bidonica. You can find me on Twitter at Mark Bidonica. But I'm never alone. I'm not alone. Well, I'm sometimes alone. But not tonight. Not right now. Because I am joined by the one and only Megan Salinas. Hey, guys. You can tweet at me at the Mangwin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. And I'm joined by Stacey Shuttleworth. Hey, guys. I'm Stacey Shuttleworth. You can find me on Twitter and all over the web at Stacey Shuttles. Uh, out for the count right now is Katie Cullen. She's not here. I don't know if she wants us to say why. But go let her know that you love her at K-I-A-X-E-T. That's Kia J for you Kingdom Hearts fans out there. Does that make her nobody? That's awful. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, that that's is, the nobody name. That is her yep. nobody name. That's <laughs> awful. I'm so sorry for pointing that out. I much love Katie. We're sorry that you're not here. But uh, we're doing, uh, we have a, a, a special main topic of discussion that I've been wanting to do for a little while. Um, but it never really fit with our previous incarnations of the show because we would do after shows. Uh, today we're going to be talking a lot about the RT Docs series. We're not going to be talking about every single one in uh, in like major detail. We're going to be talking. Each of us are going to be highlighting one of our favorites, and we're going to talk a little bit about the other ones. Uh, and it's unfortunate because Katie picked a really interesting one to talk mm-hmm. about. But uh, to start off, we got a really cool announcement today. Uh, Megan, do you want to take this one? Uh, yeah. So you remember a couple years ago how one of the things that would constantly get brought up whenever talking about the Rooster Teeth store would be like, hey, wouldn't it be great if there were women's cut t-shirts? Well, guys, they have heard the feedback and gosh, you know, gosh darn it, they are actually following through because one of the things that I really love the way they announced this because they were like, look, we know that almost half of all of the gamer population is women. We know a lot of Rooster Teeth's um, core audience is our female gamers and female fans of our shows. We are well aware of that and we have heard how much it means to you guys that female types of shirts are kind of underrepresented within the Rooster Teeth store. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that they had in mind for 2018 was they were like, we want to change that. And so as a result, they are doing a line of women's specifically cuts, uh, fe- basically focusing on the design styles of four of the women here at Rooster Teeth. And it's really cool. They're, they, they, they don't have an official release date. They do say coming soon. But the first one is going to be from Lindsay Jones. And each of the, the women being featured, it's going to come out once every three months. And even though they're not designing the shirts themselves, they are very much working with the designers uh, to create styles that reflect their personalities. And it's really cool because they definitely took a lot of steps to make sure that the types of clothings were going to fit all types of body types, mm-hmm. would be comfortable mm-hmm. for, for every woman. Um, and it's really cool. So you can see they've got some of the designs for Lindsay's line up. Uh, and her her line is very inspired by cats and by uh, neon techno punk, uh, you know, the, the types of music that she likes. So... Every every design is kind of going to follow that line for uh, for each of the women being featured, mm-hmm. and that's going to be Ashley, 
um, Lindsay, uh, Elise Williams, and let me look up the, the and Bethany one. and Bethany. Yes. Yeah. So all all four of them, they've got their lines coming up. They've and- also they all, the the themes and descriptors that they've put are really interesting. Uh, Ashley's is modern internet with quirky game night and geek girl as sort of the descriptors there. Elise's is West Coast weirdo. We can definitely relate <laughs> to that. With SoCal wanderlust and whimsy. Uh, Bethany's coven exec, champagne, passport, and murder. Uh, with a veritable... <laughs> ed- uh, but then also seeing all of the, the way that they've chosen to announce this with all of the color palettes being revealed as well is a really cool uh, way to do it. And not just these lines, but uh, 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 Barb's line as well. It's a whole bunch of stuff where, uh, rightfully so, it's like, oh, I, can I pull that off? Now, they they actually, they they do, you know, they, they made it very clear in the announcement that if you are a guy who is interested in these designs, that, of course, these are for you as well. You just have to take the women's sizing charts into account. That I w- can't your- <laughs> wear them. <laughs> when you make your purchase. Um, the, the other thing they wanted to make clear is that they are not releasing specific women's cuts for the existing t-shirt lines. Those right. are hmm. going to remain unisex. Uh, these women's cuts are specifically for this line. So that's really cool. Yeah, I, I really like this idea. I Yeah, I feel like this is a little bit overdue, but I love the fact that they're taking steps to ensure that women know that, hey, we see you, we, we acknowledge you. Women are a part of the behind-the-scenes team here at Rooster Teeth. We are putting you guys at the forefront, and that's mm. really cool. I agree. Yes. Do, what do you think about this stuff, Stacey? Oh, there's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Things for me to wear. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, just, just, even just that, that the, the What's brief, up, weirdos? Yeah, the brief right. glimpse we've gotten into the first line, um, specifically the, the, the kitty cats with the blue neon. It's so pretty. You're clearly floating over the brass knuckles over over its head. So with that the is a kitty. That is a cat in a fight Same. club. Very cute kitty in a fight club. Some I think Lin- uh, Lindsay described hers as cats and skulls. <laughs> they they drip of uniqueness, which is part of the fun, and like you really get this unique style. It's gonna be a lot of fun to see what the other ladies come up with too yeah and so that's every three months once every three months Mm -hmm. yes um lindsay did say that she she's the the crazy cat lady of the group and so she fully embraces that and is bringing that to to the line and that's i feel like if this is what we're getting for the first set of releases i can't wait to see what everybody else has agreed uh the that was kind of one of the only big pieces of our of archie news for the past week uh, there was also an AMA about Ruby Chibi that, uh, due to subject nature of to or the subject of today's show, we're not going to talk about uh, today because we wanted this to be a little bit more of of an in depth discussion about the the RT docs. We'll talk about it. Uh, there's definitely going to be time to talk about it, but um, right now uh, we're going to switch gears over to, to RT Docs, and if anybody watching right now, whether live or after the fact, uh, has any sort of questions or topics about anything RT, please uh, leave us a comment down below in the video, or if you're listening to this on iTunes, please hit up our group Twitter at uh, ABTV Rooster Team on Twitter. That way we can... Uh, 
That way we can answer those questions and, and add those subject materials. We're still working on something special for uh, the week before uh, Nomad of Nowhere starts up. And uh, it's it's driving me a little crazy. I'm going to a dark place. And... Uh, specifically, okay, we're all mad here. I sent Robbie the last bit that I wrote because he tweeted about having a headache. And he was like, why? <laughs> Send me this thing. It's very distracting, very disturbing. Hello, John Arnold. Hello, uh, Caitlin Geddes, John Salter, Sam Green. Welcome to the chat. Uh, we are keeping an eye on live chat. So if you have watched any of these RT docs or not, uh, we we would like to give you a reason to have a first membership if you don't. And if you don't, you're a bad RT fan. Anyway, uh, you can use your free month to catch up on all of Ruby. You can use your free month to watch all of these, uh, all of these docs. But, um, but, I kind of want to go in chronological order. And and the first one to be released, and, and I just kind of want to breeze by it, because <laughs> that it would be mean if I said, let's talk about this thing in, de- in depth that nobody watched. Uh, the very first one to be released was the Let's Play Live documentary. I actually did watch it. You did? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's about the first live show that the Achievement Hunter guys put on in Austin. They played at the Austin City Limits, which is huge, just for any, not, any musical act or not. That's... God, sorry. If you if you wanted that to be subtle, not the best way to do it. But, um, hi, anyway, uh, hi, Steve. Um, Wants to make his Lord? presence known. Yeah. My children. This, oh, dear God. But um, but uh, it it showed a different side of the guys than than you're familiar with if you just watch the Achievement Hunter videos. Uh, uh, what did what did you think about it? Just baseline, just really quick. Um. It reminded me actually a little bit of Spinal Tap because I actually haven't seen like a live event documentary in a long time. So mm-hmm. it did it did feel very Spinal Tap, but obviously the stress and the desire to make sure everything is perfect and make sure everything goes off without a hitch and that people get their money's worth and that it's worth the expense of putting on the event. Obviously, all that's real and not a joke. Mm-hmm. And so like. It, you you really feel for Jack in this. You you can sense that he really wants to make it the best event that he possibly can. And when when things you know start to get really stressful, you can see how much it weighs on him. So it was really cool to get to see a, a peek behind the curtain because a lot of times you go to these events and you don't really think too hard about what goes into making sure everything goes off without a hitch on stage. Mm. And it actually took me back to my days in college when I was working with the Master Control Programmer, just seeing all of the wires from the video feeds just just for the Xboxes alone. And, like, I got PTSD flashbacks from those days, and I was like, I can't even imagine what it's like trying to hook up the technical aspects of this show together. I would say even here, if people got a chance to look into the attic, you can even look, like, you, you yep. can at home. But, you, like, <laughs> this is only two studios worth of wires. The wiring in Studio <laughs> 4... It was terrifying to loop all of the all of it through, um, but it, any any sort of live production, you th- that's the idea mm-hmm. is you're there to not think about well how do they do that and um, did you did you get a chance to watch it, Stacey? I haven't watched this. I would yet. recommend it because yeah. one of the most one of the biggest most successful videos on the Achievement Hunter channel is the Surgeon Simulator one with Michael and Gavin, <laughs> and they did a live Surgeon Simulator where they they. Wired an Xbox or, or a PC or a console or whatever on a gurney <laughs> and rolled them around the audience 
while they were playing. <laughs> it was insane. And and to, to see the technical side of that and how that was failed <laughs> right before they went out on stage. They're like, our Beautiful. mics aren't on. What ha- what's hey, happening? Our mics aren't on. We're supposed to be saying stuff. We're supposed to be... Uh. So, so, yeah. Uh, that That is the very first one. And it was a very solid step forward. But the next one was connected. Yes. Uh, and, and that's the one that you're going to be focusing on, Megan. Tell uh, us a little bit about Yes. Connected. Let me give you a brief synopsis uh, of, the, uh, of the concept behind this one. Uh, this one, it was uh, at the beginning of 2016, uh, they decided to make a documentary focusing on Barbara Dunkelman and Blaine Gibson as they try to survive their work, social lives, uh, and the modern world without the comfort of their cell phones. With interviews from Nicholas Carr, author of the New York Times bestseller, The Shadows, and behavioral psychologist Dr. Art Markman, and Dr. Bob Duke, Connected explores how our brains change with the with our use of technology and analyze how we sustain and build relationships in the 21st century. And it's directed by the same director who directed most of the ones we'll be talking about tonight, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Hames. I love he the uh, kind of um, style he establishes in this one. I like that that style remained consistent throughout basically all of these documentaries. Mm-hmm. But Connected, I will be honest, my knee-jerk reaction to Connected was defensive. Oh, because, sure. Because the, the very first you know, couple minutes of it, I'm like, okay, this is going to be some millennial bashing. It's, oh, millennials are addicted to their phones and technologies and they're not, you know, the the things you constantly hear being a millennial who uses technology to communicate with other people. But, hi, hi, internet. Exactly. Hi, live chat. Let me check Twitter to see we're if we've sit- got any questions. We're sitting in a room with six cameras hooked up to the internet. Mike has a phone and a laptop in front of him. This is just... (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. And my motion eye camera's on, and this camera's on. I'm FaceTiming with my wife. What are you doing? (laughs) So my initial knee-jerk reaction was to be like, okay, calm down, guys. Uh, Like, this is going to be... It's going to paint technology as bad, and like, oh, kids today just don't know anything but that's not at all what the documentary's tone was. It wasn't looking to blame millennials for the way society uh, is right now and the way we communicate. It was more just exploring how things have changed and progressed because of technology within the last 30 years and whether or not, um, because technology has very much changed the way our day-to-day lives are, like we don't communicate with pagers or use regular maps anywhere. We use GPSs and things like that. Whether or not somebody who has all of those conveniences at the you know at the tip of their fingers mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. adapt to to life without them, and it was actually a really fascinating look at how yes, technology is something that connects all of us, but it's also something that does isolate us and having those conveniences at the tip of our fingers, we have lost certain skills, like in terms of Blaine's case, trying to navigate somewhere. But it's also cool seeing how adaptable the, you know, 
the human brain is. It's it might be hard at first, but you eventually figure out a way to get used to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you watched this one yet, Stace? Yes, yes, I yeah. did watch did this one. Did you have one. a favorite part? Uh, actually, it was the navigation scene, <laughs> I, just because it reminded me. Because growing up, I remember printing out MapQuest directions. Yes, and like they took it back even further than that. Uh, but one of the things, as soon as I got my first car, my dad got me a giant pack of all of the maps in the nearby area. He was like, I know you can look it up on the internet, but you should have these anyways. And so it kind of struck me. It was like, yeah, this, I mean, this is something that you had to, that's how you had to navigate. And now, like, I'll just plug it into Google Maps. Like, it's nothing. But <laughs> that stark difference was just so, like, to see it play out on the screen like that. I, I, I've definitely been there. I've definitely been there where my phone died. And, like, I was like, well, I can't use my GPS. Here's helping. <laughs> Well, it, it reminds me, there's a story that was a, that was turned into an RTAA of Bernie uh, turning his phone into Apple Care, <laughs> and then immediately going into his pocket for his phone and going, oh. <laughs> it was really good. Um, I, I was a big fan of the uh, them like trying to advertise the, the yes. documentary oh, in person, and even RT fans being like, this is weird. Um, but Barbara being social media manager... And not and having to do her job with a typewriter. The printouts of all the tweets that she gets handed at one point. And it was more. It was more of of a burden for everyone else. Yeah, Um, that's that's the one concession because a lot of a lot of I feel like a lot of older people are you know do tell millennials ah turn your phone off for a week see how long you last well. In their case, you can't do it unless you are in a controlled environment where mm-hmm. work will allow you to, um, mm-hmm. because we all work on laptops. Actually, days, much so. much like a lot of the subjects featuring RT talent of the RT docs. Um, <laughs> but this is one of the first live action RT things that I showed my wife, because it was just like, this is, check out this subject material. Usually, anytime we're, we're home together for dinner, it's like, hey, do you want to watch something that's like half hour, 40 minutes, whatever. And, and we watch this, and she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch any of these RT docs that, that you want, because this is really interesting. Um, uh, any, any more thoughts before we move on? I, I do want to say that the, um, the recipe hunt hit that me was really great hard. Too. That was great, <laughs> too. And um, somebody actually pointed out in the Q&A after the fact, they, they asked Barb, why didn't you just use a photocopier? And she's like, I didn't know the library had one. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> I haven't been in the you library know, in a long time. You don't have to think about that. Yeah, why, why would you be like, I'll just go photocopy that? I'll, I'll just fax it to myself. <laughs> Luckily, luckily, we were we were in the transactional generation where we didn't faxing wasn't was still a big part of it, but we didn't have to know it. We were still in the experimental internet phase, so I think I only faxed maybe one or two things ever. But faxing, yeah, I faxed something wrong for the first time ever last week. Really, my first time faxing something, and I sent the wrong side of the document. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. The only thing I do want to ask, though, before we move on, is whether or not you guys, with the concession of except for work, do you guys think you could go a week without your phone? No, I, I mean, I pick my phone up. I have a question about something. I Google it immediately. Like, I, I think the access to information is so important. It's become such a part of my life, too. Like, sure, I could go into reference books and look it up, but... You don't always have that luxury to like yeah. go go and get these resources. So to have them all on your phone, like I, I like knowing things that I don't know, and there's a lot of things I don't know. So yeah, I'd say for 
map, for map stuff, I think I'm okay. I think I know the valley well enough to where I don't necessarily need something. Unless somebody says, hey, the shoot's going to be here, then yeah. I'm totally boned. Um, <laughs> but, but I will answer your question with another question. Siri, how long do you think I could go without technology? That, that there you go. Anyway, she couldn't understand. Uh, <laughs> I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. Uh, Sam Green in chat says every child should know how to use a map. Agreed. Uh, and John Arnold says I honestly try to quote go old school as much as I can. I would love to. I would abs- I would definitely love to. But working for multiple studios and tr- as as we are in the internet performance space, trying to get our quote brand out as much as possible being a part of digital networks damn near impossible yeah my i feel like outside of work i could but the thing is as i would be super paranoid about it because one of the reasons why i i constantly have my phone at my side isn't just for information it's whether or not an emergency happens agreed i i'm like if i if i get like um, if one time I turned off my phone to go see a pre-screening of a movie and my parents happened to call me at that time and they panicked because it went straight to my voicemail. So they called both of my roommates who were at the theater with me and left messages for both of them too. So I'm like, I always have to have my phone on me or my parents will think I'm dead. Uh, yeah, John Arnold says, I could accept communicating with family. And John Salter says, no phone, maybe. No computers of any kind? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the next one that, that came out in chronological order is The World's Greatest Head Massage. This was the first two-parter. Uh, this started as a blip on uh, the RT podcast between Bernie and Gavin and turned into a trip to India to find this one uh, cosmic barber uh, of Pushkar who, uh, whose world-famous head massage videos uh, were a part of uh, this AM, ASMR sensation. So it's the first part is about ASMR and what ASMR does and the effects of it. Um, autonomous sensory meridian response. That's what it's called. Um, as well as some of the artists that do it online, including Griffin Ramsey, who's a, a part of the RT family. But then it's them f- flying to India, finding Baba, and getting the head massage and getting getting their brains taken to this cosmic place. <laughs> and it's a really interesting journey. I, I, I uh, has has have y'all watched this one? This one I haven't seen. Not yet, but I will say that see, hearing about this documentary at RTX, I think the first year we went, probably. Um, that's how I learned that ASMR was a thing. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of it prior to that. So it, it's very interesting, and it and it. <laughs> uh, one of the main questions that it that it asks is, "Is it a weird sex thing?" And they go, "No." <laughs> Well, sometimes, but no, not for us. Um, now, ASMR doesn't work, quote, work for me. The only type of reaction that sort of echoes the one that, that they talk about is me getting a haircut. And and just being safely around something that can kill me at any moment. I don't know why, but I always just close my eyes and, and my barber's always like, hey, you're pretty tired, huh? And I'm like, no. Um, but yeah, so definitely check that one out. It's It's another good one. Um, after this came Meme Machine. This is the one that Katie was going to cover. Uh, had any, had, has anybody else watched it? Yes. Okay, so let's give a, a quick description here. Where do memes come from? Can you make a meme? What happens when you become a meme? In the Meme Machine, Rooster Teeth explores the origins of memes, how they spread, and digs into the stories behind some of the most popular human memes like Irma Gerd Girl, Overly Attached Girlfriend, and Chocolate Rain Guy. Uh, also directed by Matt Hames. Now, um, I, I am friends with somebody who works with, quote, overly attached girlfriend and says that she's just one of the nicest people. And 
much like is covered in the documentary, they're they, it just becomes a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're they're regular people who all of a sudden are put up on the you know this very viewed platform without ever meaning to, and that's the thing that seemed to be consistent for every single successful meme is that it was never meant to go viral, so to speak. Mm. Right. Yeah, manufacturing a meme isn't exactly a thing. <laughs> this documentary definitely explores. It can't be done. By the time you actually, uh, you know, try to, to look at what you think the internet will respond to, the thing that you're working on is already out of date. So you, it's just like when big companies ask people, hey, we want you to make a viral video. And it's like, that's not... That's not how viral videos that's work. That's not the point. <laughs> and, and so when it comes to, to memes like this, uh, I, I feel bad for... Um, was it Un- unlucky? Oh, um, bad luck, Brian. Bad luck, Brian. Uh, just luckily, it never really hit him too close, but it still affected. Like all these people, these are people. These are these are all people. Mm-hmm. The only ones that that aren't people are ones that are animated, but that's also based off of somebody. Like the, all of the ones that are babies that are all not like grown up and to be kids, like F yeah kid yeah. or, or yeah. stuff like that. Um, one of the questions that that Katie wanted to bring up was. Um, have you ever made a meme or been made a meme? Um, I mean, people have done GIFs of, like, some of AfterBuzz panels that, like, we've been on. And um, I think one time somebody captioned something I said, like, TV stop the incest or something like that. But I never, I don't know if it would be considered a meme because nothing I've ever done has like exploded out of control, mm. which I think that's a good thing. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. Stacey? Uh, I've only been included in a meme made by my friend for like a very specific, very small group of people. So mm. no, I, I don't think that counts. Okay. Uh, I definitely used a meme generator before to make like funny motivational posters. I I used to make them for um the the DeFranco Film Club or uh or the SourceFed Film Club whatever whatever back when YouTubers used to have Netflix sponsorships that was a thing. Um but there there was a group of us that that we used to talk about movies, we used to be in chat all the ding dong day. And uh there was one guy who just kept uh spitting out all this quote gold and so i took a really dumb picture of him put it on one of the like alternating colors and i made memes and anytime i'd say something dumb i'd just go right into photoshop boom and then post it in, <laughs> like f- less than five minutes later and he would know because i would just stop talking went ah oh, crap what did i say damn it and then boom and it would go up on the internet um Beautiful. yeah but it was fun uh sam green uh gara dumpster fire that's oh, a meme does that count it mm, it could that's awesome. Or chat, uh, watch this in, in the murder fridge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> generator. I, I don't, I don't I think... necessarily know if inside jokes count because they but don't necessarily catch on outside of You our never audience. know. Because, like, Gawler Dumpster Fire, at least, is starting to pick up a little bit more. Because, uh, I mean, we I brought like it that. up. Didn't we talk about it on the, the Let's Voltron? We we talk about it every time. But that's the thing. But that's the thing. Gawler Dumpster <laughs> Fire. That's. Even if you're perpetuating it, I think that that becomes a meme. So I think that's something that you and Katie should be proud of. Um, just for the sake of time, we have to move on. Uh, the one after that was... Uh, bit, wait, which one was... Crap, hold on. I have to see which one was first. Because um, I put them in uh, the doc 
the ones that we wanted to talk about, and then all of the other ones, just checking to see what was next, to see what was next, to see what was next. It was a lovely it, song to go along with it. It was, ah, it was cool. Uh, the Tattooist uh, was featuring uh, Jeff Ramsey as he explores the subculture of tattoos and takes a crash course from a master tattoo artist, eventually giving Barb a tattoo. Not a very good tattoo, but it was still one that held a lot of meaning. It was easy uh, and Barb's first tattoo. So it, it was a, it's a very cool story and you also get a chance to... Uh, experience the life between him and his wife Griffin and his daughter Millie. So, did anybody has anybody watched the Tattooist? I per like I don't understand why. Not only I get why Barb uh, kind of hopped on board, but like why more than one person said yes. <laughs> That's something I don't think I'll ever understand. Uh, who was the other person? Was it um, Michael? There was an intern. intern. Uh, Michael also did it. I want to say Becca. Um, yeah, a more a handful of people said, "Yeah, tattoo me," and I was just like, "Why? No, <laughs> you never want to be anybody's first tattoo guinea pig." I mean, maybe you do. <laughs> uh, Someone did it. Uh, did you check this one out, Stacey? I haven't seen this. Th- this one, this one's cool. Um, it has a. I, I would say for the story of uh, Jeff showing Millie, showing his daughter Millie stuff that he used to do in his life and how Millie is just sort of nonplussed of it. It's like, you thought this was cool? Um, which it is. Millie's just very forward. Um, <laughs> she's very much like her dad. But but it's it's a great documentary. Um, highly, highly uh, recommend it. it. It was very sweet. And um, yeah. I love that everybody who who got a tattoo, that the, the mentality behind it was, it'll make for a great story. Mm-hmm. And that seem to be the the mentality behind the documentary. And it's a story that is on camera and will live forever, thanks to the internet. (laughs) Uh, So the next one is, to no one's surprise, the one that I covered, House of Pain. In 2017, uh, this one was uh, James Willems and Lawrence Sontag taking a week crash course to learn how to become professional wrestlers. Now, uh, a little while before this, they started doing some uh, create a wrestler material in w- in WWE 2K. So they made their own storylines, and then it got to a point where they were uh, RT Docs approached them and said, "Hey, did you just want to learn how to wrestle?" And James went, "Because <gasps> he's a dork," um, and and said yes. Now uh, the the reason I picked this was a couple of reasons. One, of course, wrestling fan. I host wrestling shows here on the AfterBuzz TV network, but uh, also. It's it's one of the things that people ask me all the time as a fan was if you had a chance to change your fate, um, if you Just like that, right? Exactly, uh, or at least that's how I hear them. But um, <laughs> in high school, James uh, was a member of a backyard wrestling federation where he made his own storylines and was the champion and this and that. Back in high school. I was in a backyard wrestling federation where I had championship titles and ran storylines and things of that nature. And, and so it, it's one of those things where uh, uh, I, I relate to it. He's in much better shape than I am and probably is a much better dropkick than me. But uh, uh, seeing, seeing these, these folks who aren't necessarily plugged into the wrestling scene dive in, especially at a school that I'm familiar with. I know the, the Millennium Pro Wrestling School that they went to. I know some of their, some of their trainers. Um, and if this wasn't the weekend of WrestleMania when they shot it, I would have been at the show. <laughs> uh, did anybody watch House of Pain? 
other than I did. Absolutely. So, but before I go to, I mean, I already have diatribed a bit, but um, did what did what were your expectations of it? What do you think of wrestling, and did that change by the end of it? I had like zero expectations going in, mm-hmm. um, but. I, I didn't grow up with wrestling. I, uh, some of my friends did, uh, and they were fans, but I that was never something I connected with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's always the jokes about how wrestling's fake, and mm-hmm. that was basically the extent of my no- wrestling knowledge. So going into this documentary was really interesting because a lot of my friends here at AfterBuzz are big wrestling fans. You and Marquia. And I've seen a lot uh, on Twitter about how wrestling is a lot like anime in terms of like <laughs> the, the the sort of bouts and the char- over the top characters That's and everything like that. So I was I was kind of, I was very intrigued going into this and it was really cool to see how, even if the outcome is decided ahead of time, how it's a very collaborative, impromptu storytelling. Like, it's basically physical improvising to exactly. get to mm-hmm. an end point. And I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Stacy, what did you think? Yeah, seeing that in action was really neat. Um, my background's a lot the same. I really didn't have very much wrestling influence uh, growing up. I think the most wrestling... I've gotten uh, to experience was watching Netflix glow. <laughs> so that's about where I am. Uh, but this was, the, the amount of time that they spent doing this, like how short the period was. The I was they, shocked. Like uh, to see the actual match and to see the result of that. I mean, the dedication that went into, you know, mm. learning this and was... I was impressed. I thought they were going to give them a month. They gave them a week. <laughs> right ahead. Like, okay, so this is going to span over a couple of months. Will they train mm-hmm. up? No, no, a week. <laughs> Four days of intensive training. Good luck, guys. <laughs> well, even even though it wasn't, it technically was four days, it was three days. One was basics. Two was character. Three was the two of them together. Four was setting up the ring. Five was the match. That's wild. Nice. Now, um... They one of one of the most disappointing things about this is is the the emotional story that you get between these two friends. In it, uh, this isn't really a spoiler if you haven't watched it, but in it, uh, while Lawrence and James are working on, they're just scrimming, they're just in the ring working on stuff. Stuff's starting to click, and and as it does when you just get time to play in a ring, myself included. Oh boy, um, but. Uh, Lawrence's placement of his hands when going for, it's called a Yakuza kick, when going for a Yakuza kick um, James takes it and scrapes across Lawrence's fists uh, opening up above his eye they have to go to urgent care but from that, Lawrence lost his confidence and as a result was a lot more defensive and not open and ready and accepting and that was one of the things that I was was pretty, uh, uh, pretty sad to see but uh, I, I thought it was a little bit shoehorned to put Kovic as a bit of an antagonist, saying, "What's all this wrestling stuff?" And they're getting they're getting a massage in front of us. Get back to work. <laughs> but um, ultimately, it's a great story of somebody being able to live their dream. And and I brought this up uh, a little bit before. Um, is there anything that if somebody approached you, camera crew or not, uh, saying, "We know you had this dream when you were younger." We will give you the opportunity to do that. Is there anything that you would drop everything to do? 
If money was no object. Money's no option. They're going to pay you for your time. Money is no object, and it's not a Faustian bargain <laughs> that's going to cost me my soul. Your soul. If, um, if somebody gave me the chance and handed me a backpack and said, you can finally uh, live your dream of just traveling the world for forever. <laughs> Come on. Like a la Pokemon and go on my Pokemon journey across the world. Although, obviously not, because I'm not going to be capturing animals as I go. But, like... Yeah, just Pokemon. As a, as a kid, They're yeah, not animals. <laughs> I wanted to travel the world and go on a Pokemon journey. And I, I did a little bit of traveling when I was in college uh, across Europe. And me and my friends try to do a trip, a big trip, once every two years. But, like, if money was no object, I would drop everything and just travel. So who's going to be your partner for The Amazing Race? <laughs> actually, actually, yeah. have you have you considered entering? If if that's the deal, if you considered entering the amazing. Here's race? the thing: as fun and awesome as that sounds, no, because I'm really bad at challenges, and I think they take my phone away. <laughs> I'm the deal breaker. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to navigate. What? One, you can get yourself a partner to compensate for that. Two, yes, they would take away your phone. <laughs> You could figure out the damn metro. Uh, I believe in you. How am I going to use uh, how uh, without Google? How am I going to figure out how in a, another person's language to say hello? Where's the bathroom? Uh, so in China, that's Ji <laughs> Kui. I'm kidding. That's how much. But uh, uh, <laughs> don't ask me how it, I know. It would be amazing. Um, and if I could like throw as like the cherry on top, if I could like um, Alvin and the Chipmunks, uh, the movie, uh, just travel the world via hot air balloon. Animated that would movie. also be amazing. Animated movie. <laughs> yes. Thank you. The that's only great. movie. <laughs> I thought, I thought, the one that counts. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say I would love to take a road trip. No. Around the country. <laughs> you Not took us all. there. You did that. Yes, I did. You did that. Um, what would you drop, and what dream would you live? God, so I don't think I would drop everything permanently to do this. But if I was, if you know, money was no object, and I could drop my life for a few months and go uh, and be like actually trained to be a performer at a Renaissance fair, and to live like that would be so cool. in the in the setup and like be part of that community for its run, I think that would be amazing. And those ones are like two and a half, three months. Yeah, that's wild. That, what would what would your specialty be? Would you want to do something in particular, or would you just be mm. walking around with a pad of paper taking notes? Jousting. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> jousting tournament. Oh, <laughs> those are those are different companies. They're jerks. I know. Yeah, we're not um, talking about them. I'd want. I don't know what I'd want to teach, but I'd probably want to be one of the artisans that would teach. Um, probably something to do with fabrics and making clothing so or cool. ma- like actual crafting. So you, would you be in like one of the 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 tent cities that's behind the rope? Where you can see like daily life happening. Yeah, but I, I would also want to be able to get out and walk around sometimes, yeah, yeah. Per, uh, preferably with the basket with the pig heads in it, <laughs> trying to peddle my wares. You go. Those, those are the best people that you made at a Renaissance Fair. Okay, the person who keeps trying to shove the pig's head in people's or, faces. Or the dung salesman. <laughs> also good. Also good. Um, geez, that <laughs> uh, something to do with fabrics or pig's heads. <laughs> I'm a horn of simple tastes. Uh, to be perfectly honest. I would do the same thing. I would do the exact same thing James did because there's always been one little thing. There was a there was a time in my life where I had a school picked out. I had the time. I was I was I, I just about had the money, 
and then the school had to close down. And uh, same thing here is uh, one of my best friends, uh, uh, the hobo, uh, he, he is a trainer, and the school that he used to run is now down the street from, from my apartment. And, and it was like no time at all, and then they moved the school. And now it's they moved from Van Nuys to uh, Oxnard. <laughs> so uh, yeah, well. <laughs> so I'm not doing that. But um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's always in there. I've run the ropes before. Um, I've I've taken a dive off the top rope, but well, the middle rope before. Um, I still haven't taken a proper a proper bump, as they're called. Um, but yeah, I I would do the same thing if it was paid for, and I could have a masseuse come once a week because I would be banged <laughs> up like a moth. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely would. I was happy to see a lot of the people in this documentary that are part of the Southern California wrestling scene. One of their main trailers, bo- trainers, Brawlin' Bo Cooper, had one of my favorite matches that I've ever seen live against my my best friend, the Hobo. It was a Falls Count Anywhere, Anything Goes. Um, I was the cameraman for it. They did something so silly and stupid that's inside, so inside wrestling joke that I was trying not to giggle while I was holding the camera. <laughs> it was so great. So it was great seeing some of these folks uh, featured. And uh, yeah, if you haven't seen House of Pain, I recommend it. And then the one that came after this, Unconventional. Stacy? Unconventional. Stacey? I think everyone at this table has been to conventions. Our comic book <laughs> conventions, you know, at SDCC whenever we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, RTX is obviously one of the big, <laughs> spe- more specialized conventions. So, uh, Unconventional is led by Gus Sarola, who decides that, hey, he's been to a lot of conventions. He's been a personality at lots of RTX and lots of various conventions around the country. But there are some niche conventions that you don't talk about so much. Everyone knows Comic Con. That's mm. fine. But what about, for example, SantaCon? I know about SantaCon. Do you know? I know I, about SantaCon now. I know about SantaCon before Unconventional. And I, I haven't know, seen anything about it. I didn't it. know about it, but then uh, hearing that it was a thing, is like, yeah, that sounds like a thing we as humans would come up with. Yeah, so um, I did not expect SantaCon to be SantaCon. And I, I don't know if Gus did either in this documentary. It's like, oh, this is good. This is going to be a convention. Maybe they'll have panels. Maybe they'll it's, have it's strange because I was expecting SantaCon to be more like the Abraham Lincoln Same. Con ended up being. That's the one in Vegas. There's a SantaCon in Vegas that is a little more convention, a little less drinking, but there's still a lot of drinking. <laughs> I expected more like, how do, how do you do your best santing? Like, practice your laugh kind of things. No, it's just a wild party. And I think, like, the disparity between what we expect to see at a convention, like what has traditionally become a sci-fi comic book geek convention, mm-hmm. and what this was, was just so funny. And and to see, like, so, I guess through a lot of preparation, a lot of care. <laughs> to get ready for these conventions, the SantaCon, you know, not excluded, goes so far, you do the cosplay, you dress up as Santa, which is stated in the rules that you had to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, just, what just rules? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but to see so many people, I mean, who definitely were not part of, like, the sci-fi geek community necessarily, who would be on this con circuit that so many of us are, to see them all just still getting together and having this grand scale thing to unite over, it still felt like a convention, even in all of its disarray. Well, I, I would say if the only the only one that kind of stood out as a sore thumb was SantaCon for me, because the other one is all about enthusiasm about mm-hmm. this theme, and if if this theme is supposed to revolve around 
Santas and the joy that Santa brings. No, it's essentially a giant red and white bar crawl. It was a party. Yeah, it was a big party. It was less of a con, but you got that sense of community. So I'll give it the con title. It was was probably about Christmas about as much as St. Patrick's Day is about celebrating Irish heritage in that regard. But you could definitely tell that there's still at least a lot of camaraderie, at least before the drunken brawling starts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> one oh, way of man. It. Um, what, was, what was your favorite con that Gus got to go to? Uh, you know what? I really enjoyed the footage from the Abraham Lincoln convention just mm. because it was so at odds with what you expect a convention setting to be. I mean, this this was an extremely tight-knit group of people, which we do see a lot of times at conventions, but they were not a particularly welcoming group at first. Mm-hmm. Understandably, because, you know, you are coming in with a camera crew as an outsider, and you run that risk of, well, are they just are they here to make fun? fun or, or is that... Because that is a very specific interest to have and a very specific thing to be passionate about. Uh, so I understand the wariness, but uh, I like the history. You know, the historical stuff is fun when people throw themselves into it. And these people were clearly super passionate about it. Um, and I liked seeing all of the women in their full get-ups. I mean, yeah. they, you those know, were cool. Gaggle oh, of Mary Todd's. Everything, like, just because, you know, they had every part. The undergarments, the, you know, the stays, everything. That was that was done and made to perfection. So. And historically accurate. And, and <laughs> absolutely. It was weird that despite, I mean, depending on the budget, Gus had to make his Lincoln costume because you have to go in costume. Uh, uh, equally, uh, like the Santa one, that... One one group was like, whatever, you're wearing red. And the other one was like, yeah, those whiskers aren't quite right. And, and it was oh, fun. Yeah. To, yeah. It, was, it was weird how, um, but it's something that I think all com- or nerd communities have where despite coming together under this one banner, if there's anybody coming in from the outside, there's still that outsider mentality of, well, what are they doing here? They don't belong here. They're not like us. And in trying to escape from that thing with normal life, we create that ourselves. And, and it was interesting mm-hmm. to see how they play with all of that, especially in the furry convention, too. Which was a totally different story mm-hmm. altogether. Um, the furry community is often looked at as the outsiders mm-hmm. from uh, the rest of society, even in the con circle, even in the sci-fi geek community. So to see the amount of joy and welcome that was present at this convention for a complete outsider, someone who they you know really wouldn't be sure about, was really nice, and it kind of you know it showed it showed the true light of the furry community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was the most surprising thing about the documentary was that I was kind of expecting. The the Abraham Lincoln one, oddly enough, to be a little bit more fun and a little bit more welcoming, but the the mentality there was that Gus wasn't taking it seriously, so there was a little animosity there at first. Mm. Um, but then moving over to the furry convention, I kind of thought that one of all of them would have the most barriers up, but no, they they welcomed him with open arms, and that really surprised me. Mm. It, it's a great documentary. Everybody should mm. check it out because it's about inclusivity. And Rooster Teeth has, has really tried to hammer home the idea of inclusivity. Um, and the last one we're going to spend a really quick amount of time talking because none of us focused on it. And it's the newest one, so mm. the least amount of people have seen it. Becoming Jessica Negri came out a few weeks ago. And it's about, it's it's this uh, day in the life type of story of Jessica Negri, uh, who's the voice of Cinder Fall, 
uh, in Ruby, as well as a internationally renowned cosplayer who has uh, one of the first, I think, famous cosplayers for her mm-hmm. initial sexy Pikachu, and they they go into that and. Um, yeah, it talks about her life story, her parents uh, growing up in New Zealand and then moving to the States, and uh, her trying to express herself in this art form to make it to BlizzCon with an impossibly difficult cosplay and what she ends up doing. It's a fun story. I don't think, I think similarly, I don't know if this is for everybody just because it's very specific, mm-hmm. but I think everybody can find something to enjoy in it. What did y'all think? I I liked that <clears throat> part of the discussion was whether or not a cosplayer having very sexualized costumes and being made famous partially because of that, whether or not that was a good thing. And Mm -hmm. she's like, I'm not saying that everybody should cosplay like me. You should absolutely cosplay like you. But for me, this is empowering. Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. understand why other people might view it as problematic, but you have to look at it from it from another point of view as well. I can see where you're coming from. Try to see where I'm coming from. Right. Yeah, and she's been nothing but a positive, hugely influential force in the cosplay community. Um, You know, and yeah, she wears these ridiculously intricate, I mean, extremely well-made and oftentimes very revealing cosplays. But she's also just a giant nerd, and I think that shines through all the time Mm -hmm. just as much, you know, as seeing her in costume, in these immensely, like, impressive very yeah. intimidating costume and the fact that like sh- how hard she works on making them come yes. together to the point where she's <clears throat> delirious and talking to a fly and, <laughs> and like accidentally cutting herself and going like oh shoot i can't feel anything anymore not just a nerd but a dork she is, <laughs> Super dork. She is one of the biggest dorks uh that i've ever met i've i've had the benefit of being able to spend an extended period of time with her um back when i was working for defranco she had a poster with us i did a signing session with her and we just talked about one piece for an hour <laughs> she's she's one of the coolest people and i'm really happy that she she became the subject of an rt doc and just she's being allowed to tell her story um but but this one in particular it's the most recent one go check it out a lot of them do have including this one have extra material mm-hmm. I highly recommend you check that stuff out, too. Uh, the last question that, that I'm going to pose, Stacy, specifically to you, as somebody who builds their own costumes as well, um, did this affect your your creation process or seeing it, seeing how she does it? It's kind of a motivating kind of, like, fire that's like, oh, my God, her work ethic is just so incredible. And to, <laughs> to see that showcased and, like, you know it's a struggle and... You know, seeing her at, at that all-nighter phase, uh, you know, <laughs> when you haven't slept for days and you've got to get this done before the con starts. Uh, she works you know. on them for months, too. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, see that? It's like, all right. Yes, it's terrible while you're going <laughs> through it. But it's also very fun. And the end result is so rewarding. And, you know, to to know that we have people like that in our community and even very... And and for her story specifically, she she picked to do a really high difficulty costume, and despite that, uh, accepted. I can't do this. I'm going to do something else, mm-hmm. and still, still, pers- pers- yeah, pursue what persisted. That's the word. And yet she persisted, yeah. uh, <laughs> and and continued to make uh, uh, something that was still that still turned a lot of heads, got a lot of mm-hmm. uh, attention. Not just because of who she is, but because of the craft that she has mastered over the course of the last couple of years. Yeah, I think this documentary is a good reminder of of that because like you don't 
you know, in this age of social media, um, one of the things that gets constantly said is you you see everybody else's highlight reel, not the behind the scenes. It was cool to see the behind the scenes of her having to scrap an entire project she had worked on for months. But, like, you go to the con and you see what she comes up with, and no one's the wiser. Exactly. So right. it's really cool seeing that. Well, and especially as someone who, who has followed kind of her cosplay adventures over the years, you see the finished projects, and you see very small glimpses of the work in progress. So you only know what those final moments are, and you only see the outstanding final effort. So to get to actually go deeper into it I think is always fascinating make sure to check that out as our last sort of a thing uh, everybody as as a part of your sign off because we do we are out of time thank you everybody for joining us on this episode of uh, Rooster Teeth Reviews um, please stay tuned to our Twitter to find out what our topic is going to be next week um, it's probably going to be a bit of a news rundown and we'll come up with a, a nice discussion topic if you want to help with that please follow us at ABTV Rooster Team and leave us your comments there or on this video but as a sign off uh, let the folks know what you're up to your Twitter account as well as uh, which of these whether you covered it or not which of these you would recommend to watch tonight Stacy oh man I guess I'm Stacey Shuttles you can find me all over the web at Stacy Shuttles I am also part of a video game podcast with Mark over there we do inventory full on yeah, Monday do. nights you can find us on twitch.tv at inventory full PT where we stream games throughout the week uh, let's see I would watch probably the meme one I don't know. meme was, machine was very interesting uh, once you get into it to mm-hmm. see how it works a little bit behind the scenes. I'm Megan. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Penguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. I do a bunch of stuff. Just follow me there. I have to agree. Meme. I, I as much as I loved Connected, and I do recommend oh. it. Meme Machine is probably the most educational about internet culture. Uh, please follow Katie Cullen at K-I-A-X-E-T Patrick at P to the D's All, everybody here at AfterBuzz TV follow me at Mark Bidonica check out uh, me on the Schmodown on Collider check me out uh, Geek and Sundry Fridays uh, Gather Your Party I do some really silly shit with that um, and then uh, I would recommend Connected uh, equally just it's one of those things that I go back to that helps me sort of back off on technology for a bit and give a little bit of a cleanse not entirely but I would say Connected uh, Meme Machine they're all great in their mm-hmm. own right Check them out if you haven't. Thank you so much for watching this episode of R2 Reviews. We will see you next week. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Talk to you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 